Hello everybody, this is Dr. Fred. I am responsible, I am accountable, I am capable of assisting people to find their true voice and then deliver it effectively into the world around us. With 40 years in mental health, 32 of them as a psychiatrist, and then a massive amount of conversations, including podcasting and expert speaking, keynote speaking, I have the opportunity to really see the magic that it takes to find one's authentic self and then deliver it effectively into the world. And if you're like me, you can see that now more than ever, that's what's called for. So today is that day. Now is that time. Come forth. Join me in the broadcast. You'll see on the other side of this at True Voice with Dr. Fred. Um, Yo, did you really say come forth in that advertisement? I know. Come forth into my kingdom. Yeah. Come forth yeah, into the I, true voice kingdom, my fellow countrymen. Exactly. I hear it every time <laughs> I say it. I'm like, uh, maybe it's like the opposite of for, forthcoming, forthcoming, you know, a forthcoming episode. First, I make fun of you, and then I cough up so much that it actually sounds like I'm hacking something. This you really shouldn't have made intro. fun of me. <laughs> I tell that to everyone. There's no, there's never a good physiological reason to make fun of me. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've kind of gotten yeah. beyond that, right? I mean, you've exactly. earned yourself enough status. You've got the, you know, you've become a psychiatrist. You've done it for, what, 30 plus years. You, you're at that status now and at an age now, too, where, yeah, it's like, better not make fun. Better no. not make fun. No, he, no, he the days earned are all of the, he earned all of the, uh, the earned credit. What, what would you call them? Like the, the, the. The, uh, oh, Sam, don't worry about it, dude. I can't think of it. Yeah, I know. You did good with that. That was a really thanks, good. Buddy. That was really well done. Very well done. That backfired. Hey, on uh, me. Thanks for coming on air with us to the True Voice with Dr. Fred podcast. And this is about the ninth time there, seventh time or something that that Sam has co-hosted with True Voice with Dr. Fred. Sam's my best friend. And we uh, we do a lot of things. But mostly what we do is we just have these amazing conversations. Not unlike like the one we just had that you just were privy to. That's probably the worst conversation we've ever had in, in since we started because we really do have these spectacular conversations. And if you've been if you've been catching us in the last few weeks, you've heard some really brilliant. Uh, well, what I think a really brilliant, um, which I say frontier frontier um, challenging issues that we were discussing. And uh, today we, we're going to do something a little bit different. First of all, Sam, thank you so much for finding your way on to this uh, co-hosting job on the uh, True Boys podcast. Always a pleasure, Fred. It really is. You know, today we have a guest and it's been a while since Sam and I have interviewed a guest. It was on a different, uh, a different podcast that's actually uh, still sitting pretty dormant. We're going to release our 20 episodes here in the next few months or so. Uh, that podcast name was called Insanity, and that's exactly what that thing was. Um, it was two words, insanity. And we took some of the most brilliant people that we could find and had just conversations where we carved up the truth that they thought they had. They carved up the truth that we thought we were had, and we were on the edge of madness throughout the whole time. Um, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, things happened, and now they're sitting back there awaiting uh, a beautiful post-production. Today, we have a guest that is a, well, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine I know from 
from a colleague, uh, and uh, we'll learn a little bit more about that. Uh, someone who uh, has came into my awareness in the last couple, three months, and I find his story to be just extraordinary, very, very compelling. And we'll see what we can squeeze out of Noah Grabowitz today, because his story is one that I think we're all relate to, but perhaps he did it more extreme than any of us. And I really mean that. And so, you know, Noah, I, before we get started, and I sort of, you know, I sort of said this before, saying no, or saying you don't want that part aired, or saying, you know, edit that out, is entirely possible. Okay, this is it is a streaming episode. So it's live to some people, but the actual episode itself uh, will be edited and we can take things out for the future. We're not going to push you too hard. I don't have any intention of making you any any, you know, uncomfortable, but I do have so much. um, I'm eager to learn a little bit more about who you are and how you got to be who you are. Can we put Noah on main screen, please? Noah, grab away. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Noah. Sam, this is Noah Grabowitz, and and Noah has a story he's going to tell us. I think I'm just going to open the floor, Noah, if you think that's good. You know, just tell us a little bit what I'd like to know a little bit more, starting maybe with, I don't know, I suppose nine years old is a good place to start or a little bit before that, you know, but, you know, hop leaping into Palo Alto and since then or however you want to do this. I'm going to leave you a little bit of a floor from five to eight minutes to tell us a little bit about who is this guy, Noah Grabowitz, that you're, uh, that you're grappling with every single day. Can you do that? Sure. Um, well, uh, my name is Noah Grabowitz. Um, and um, I guess if we're starting when I'm nine, um, I grew up in uh, a middle-class family in Westchester, New York. And my father was in a car accident, um, hit by a drunk driver. Or when they were visiting my mother's brother, um, who lived in Seattle, Washington, we lived in Westchester, New York. Um, and the accident was serious enough such that the expectation was that um, my father would probably die, or at least um, was, uh, you know, the, the odds of survival were certainly less than half. Um, my family moved out to Seattle. He managed to survive. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a heroic story, um, fast forward five years later, um, and he died of complications from the accident. Um, although it was sudden, um, while the cause of death was, uh, related to the injuries he sustained, it was unexpected. Um, and so that was, um, I guess probably the seminal event in my life up to that point, whether I fully appreciated exactly what I'd been through, you know, it was, um, it was obviously no small thing. Um, I went on through high school and was, I I would say very successful in conventional sense. Let me, uh, let me interrupt for a second. Did you remember, do you remember any abrupt changes on how you handled high school or society from like the days before your dad's unfortunate event and afterwards, were you the same? Do you feel like it was uh, you no big drop or or anything or change in how you presented yourself at 15 years old than how you were presenting yourself at 13, for instance. No, I don't think there was any change. Okay, rock on. Keep going. Um, you know, when my father died, um, you know, it was something about which I, I had some ammunition. I mean, those are that's sort of the easy, you know, it's something easy to validate in hindsight um, or. Of knowing how things played out, um, 
and uh, you know, I I don't consider there to be some kind of force or muse. Um, it's just uh, it was um, you know it was it was a precarious situation, even if it seemed certainly by all the um, reports that things were on the up and up. Um, and that, I want to say it came and went, but that was just kind of a fact of life. Um, like that was what happened when I was 14, when my father died. Um, and I went on through high school. Um, you know, I had challenges, I guess. So that's kind of high school to some degree. I was, you know, generally, um, you know, um, you know, angsty. Um, but again, like that's high school. Um, and I was in Westchester then you graduated high school was in Westchester as a public school. Um, and I was very active in high school debate, um, which I was very, very good at. Um, you know, I was successful on the usual measures that one would care to be successful on during high school. I did well in school. Were you the the captain of your debate team? Yeah, I was like the best in the country like i was like really really good at it it was like really 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 country you were yeah i was like really 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 good at it like no shit no yeah yeah yeah. i I don't know that that is really really important so interesting you were like yeah no i was like really it was was like a really yeah it was like a really superlative thing you know it's like really um you know no no bs it was it was very successful at that all right um so let's get that you caught for you. If I wouldn't have picked at that tooth, you would have just said you had a normal high school, but in fact, you were the best debater in the country. No, I would have said that. I would have said that. All right. Well, um, maybe would have I wasn't, I wasn't being withholding anyway. Okay. okay, rock on. Let's go. Let's see what happens after high school. So I went to Stanford University um, and I kind of, you know, stumbled a scholarship? My... Do you have scholarship to Stanford? No. Okay. Um, Stanford doesn't have scholarships it has like a small academic scholarship but um everyone is uh, a big shot um for the most part um and uh and i i fit in well enough there um i wasn't out of place i I was not um you know the smartest person there although i more than hold my own um you know in terms of to, to the extent that anyone gives a shit about that kind of thing um just in terms of being able to kind of like hack it as a brain or as a personality, um, or just as like a, a person, I don't even know what, um, not as it, it wasn't like there was some ongoing pissing match, although I guess in a way there kind of was too, um, whether it was spoken or not. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of fumbled my way through the first two years. I started, um, you know, smoking a lot of pot, um, drinking, fair amount, certainly more than I'd ever done before college, but nothing out of this world compared to what people do when they get to college, you know, especially people who spent high school doing whatever it was necessary to get accepted to Stanford. Um, and pardon? How old are you now? Now I'm 39. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I guess I, I entered college, I graduated high school in 2000 for whatever it was. Um, and, uh, I went abroad my junior year, which was actually great. Um, like the fall, my junior year, then I came back and things started to kind of unravel. You know, I'd been struggling. Okay. Let me interrupt one more time. 
sorry, but I, 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 you know, I have heard some of this story before. Via Broad, was that your Israel trip or was it elsewhere? No, I went went to Prague. To Prague. And what was it? Was that as as a student, as an exchange student? Yeah, it was just an ordinary study abroad thing. Okay. It's a semester at Charles University in Prague. Okay. It was very nice. It was great, actually. I traveled through Eastern Europe. Um, I met some nice people. It was great. Okay, so no big traumas or anything during that trip. The trip went well. Everything was clean. Yeah, that was great. That was like really the highlight of my of your life, maybe of my life in many ways up until that point. All right, so now we get, we're we're easing into a to a little bit of a left turn here. That's why I'm slowing you down to see if we can see what causes this next run. It's pretty exciting here, Sam. Keep your ears open for this one. Okay. Um. So I get back to school. Um. And uh, I forget exactly what the exact what the pretext was, but I, I wound up taking a medical leave. Um, I don't remember if it was my junior year or if it was beginning of my senior year. Stanford's on the quarter system, which the summer is one quarter, so the academic year is broken into thirds, unlike other places where it's just two semesters. Um, and so I took off a third of the year for medical leave, although I was at school that whole time and wasn't doing anything to recuperate in any way to the extent that was what I needed. But I started seeing a psychiatrist. I very quickly went on a lot of medication. Um, I don't remember exactly what I went on at first, although pretty quickly in there, I was prescribed uh, a fair amount of Adderall, um, and some other meds. and so I kept what on was kind the, of what was the um, condition that allowed for your medical leave? Um, I don't remember. I, I don't know, actually, like what the, the, the medical leave was said to be. Um, I know that I was briefly diagnosed as being bipolar, you know, as bipolar, which I, I don't necessarily even think is inaccurate, um, but it certainly was not... Uh, um, that, that that diagnosis did not settle things, um, you know. Um, and um, but I was was actually um, took the landmark forum, and my forum leader um, stated to my mother. My mother has been involved in landmark education since the days of Est, um, you know, and was very, I think it's fair to say, invested in my participation. And so she traveled to San Francisco for my graduation and the forum leader, you know, if it's, if someone is, you know, has some kind of uh, certifiable condition, you know, is not supposed to participate, um, you know, and he seemed to suggest he was no professional himself, but seemed to suggest that he perceived that I had some, um, you know, pathology, um, you know, different than just whatever it is that people bring in the door. Um, and for my mother, who's a psychiatrist, you know, and this had been at various times in my life for various reasons, sort of um, kind of on the menu or on the, you know, the, the notion that I had something, you know, beyond just, uh, you know, a, a fairly traumatic um, you know, a childhood and adolescent experience, given, um, you know, the, uh, 
what my family had been through. Um, you know, and this, I, I think it's fair. Speaking to the loss of your dad, you mean, right? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, and whatever my, you know, I was, I was, I was an interesting kid, you know, I mean, I skipped second grade. Like I, I had, you know, I, I, I was, um, you know, exceptional in, in various respects, um, well, you know, it, for much of my trauma, life. The trauma of an exceptional, uh, of an exceptional academic childhood as well. There's sure. Some... Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So, um, and, um, so, um, you know, the, this forum leader's um, supposed observation of me, uh, I think, was what gave my mother the sense that I ought to be seeing some kind of professional. Um, and I think that was what, um, you know, sort of established the, the entree into my seeing the first of however many um, different psychiatrists or the fact that they're being psychiatrists, you know, I, I, um, mental mental health professionals, mental health professionals. Sure. Um, you know, sort of began there and not something, something, certainly not something that I was resisting. I was, um, you know, I was 20 years old or whatever it was. So definitely in a kind of interstitial space. Um, but, uh, you know, I would not have, gone full bore I don't think certainly had my mother been strongly opposed to my seeking out professional help and had she not kind of encouraged me to some degree I don't think I would have gone whatever routes that I did um but you know I wasn't doing anything I mean I I I was you know seeing a doctor or another doctor um and I don't think I was being all right. So, you know, you know, there's some good juicy stuff coming here around the corner. A couple, three things that are going to lighten up this, that are going to light up your last several years. Let's talk a little bit about what, what are some of the uh, manifestations from here on in. You, you're launching now. You got maybe a psychiatric disorder. Maybe you don't. If he doesn't say it, maybe you do. But your mom's a psychiatrist and you're on your way through the mental health department. And then your life goes through some pretty significant changes, it sounds like here. And I'd love to hear you just kind of dig into that. What happens next? Yeah, so I, I left school one class shy of graduating. Um, and that what's was... Your, what's your grade point average? 3.6. 3.6 um, right now. 3.6, yeah. So, you know, like fine. Three, yeah, um, yeah, fine. It's fine, 3.6. Um, and... Um, yeah, I left one class shy of graduating, which was understood at the time. Um, and, you know, it was just sort of presumed that I would, um, you know, take a community college class or something to finish up. Um, did MBA. anyone know? Did anyone know that you left? Yes, 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 absolutely. This Everyone. was public. Yeah. Yes, this was all public and on the level. Um, and I moved to Israel after I graduated, which was a decision I'd made early in my senior year, really um, a decision I'd made in order to not go through job applications where I, for whatever reason, decided that I would not be able to get any of the, you know, competitive consulting or, um, you know, uh, you know, Wall Street sort of two-year gigs that are kind of what you do when you're at fancy college going on to be a fancy person. Um, you know, in order to avoid that, I committed to going to Israel, which I said had some interest in, but no particular passion for. But 
I ostensibly was moving to Israel to become a graduate student, lacking a BA. That was obviously a problem, but it was also, you know, there was a, a coherent plan to get from here to there. I did move to Israel. I spent some time on Enrol Pan, earning, uh, learning Hebrew. Um, I absconded from the Ulpan because I was going crazy there. Um, it was a kibbutz in southern Israel. I didn't want to be there. I moved to the city. I got myself a job. Um, the city of or, New York or Tel Aviv or which city? This is in Tel Aviv, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, working as a copywriter, you know, working in English. Um, and it was fine. And I was like operating kind of as a normalish person, you know, definitely being kind of um, not fully subsidized, but, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, I was, I was not, um, I was not independent uh, at that point. You know, when I fly home, my mother would like pay for the airfare. Um, so I was still um, connected in that respect. Um, so Noah, at this time, what you were doing was consistent still with what people thought you were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, what I said, I mean, you know, I, I was never really the case that I was going to be, um, you know, uh, was going to graduate school in whatever I claimed to be going to graduate school in. But it wasn't like, a, you know, uh, I'm planning to be in NASA, you know, when in fact I'm, you know, smoking dope, um, you know, or whatever I went on to do next. Um, and so it was not an out and out lie, even if, you know, I was sort of uncertain. All right. I'm going to I'm going to give you the mic here and I'm going to tell you what my plan is. We have six minutes until our commercial. So what I'd love to for you to do is give us a, a ride to a precipice. Take us to what is what are some of the alterations in your presentation and your mindset? What happens in the next few years? And again, I, I assume you know what I'm talking about when it all starts going this kind of. Um, Unique direction. Sure. Um, so I decide my time in Israel is up and I move back to New York. I get a job at a place and something with title insurance in New York. Um, you know, I'm, I've kind of lost the plot. Um, and, um, you know, I'm uh, smoking pot and gambling not like wildly out of the port, you know, um, but definitely a little off the rails. And sort of the one thing looming is that I have to graduate from college. And my mother helps me to register for the statistics class that I need to take in order to graduate. Um, I tell her that I take the class, which I in fact do not. I can't say exactly why I didn't take the class, but I'm formally registered for it. I never take it. I tell my mother that I do. And at that point I represent my family and to anyone else that I've graduated from school when I haven't. Okay. Um, let's start there. Let's, let's start there. And pretty soon after that, I quit my job. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's, let's recall back to when you dropped that line on your mom and everyone that knows you that you have graduated now, you just completed the course. It's done. Yeah. It's a, it's a bold outright. Yeah. Lie. Right. It's a, yes, it's a, absolutely straight up. Do you remember anything happening to you at that point that they, that number one, you were believable enough for the get, you know, to get it. But number two, now you had to live into that lie until, you know, kingdom comes or something. My mother would pretty, would, would routinely enough ask me for the diploma. And I would just say like, you know, I'll take care. I I never had, I didn't have a story as to why I didn't have it because 
pretty straightforward as to how you obtain one if in fact you're entitled to it. Um, and it's not an unreasonable request. But somehow I would always kind of dodge that. Uh, I don't know that my mother was looking to be lied to, but wouldn't have been too much for her to press on that. Um, and she never, I mean, she asked frequently enough, but never pressed all you that hard. Was, was she suspicious, maybe? Is that why she was asking? She was, I mean, she had every reason to be suspicious, if only I because... So. The, like, I didn't because, do it. Yeah, because I didn't do it. Um, but <laughs> um, she certainly was not that suspicious. Sorry, Mom. Um, Sorry, Mom. There's no commencement this year. Uh, They're just going to kind of push I mean, us through. I did, I did actually, you know, at school, through. I walked... I was like totally drunk. Um, wasn't the only, but I mean, like I walked at my college graduation in a cap and gown and I was permitted to do that, even though I wasn't receiving my diploma at the time. Um, you know, like we'd gone through all of the formalities, you know, with the exception of like the ultimate formality, I suppose. And and was your mother there for that? Was she yes, there she for was. that occasion? Okay, yes, so she yes. saw you walk. So she was yeah. under the impression that you would Yeah, I mean, had that not happened, I imagine that psychically that, you know, would have left some kind of void, perhaps. Um, so you walked with your with the class. Which class did you walk with? My class, the class the, that I was a part the original, of. The original four years. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was I was very literally one class. Like I had enough credits. I, I had satisfied my major. I didn't fulfill one um like general education requirement. Like I didn't fulfill one of the three math requirements. I've taken like two math or science classes and not the last one. And that was why I was not eligible. I mean, it was, you know, genuinely like a not an insignificant, but I mean, as these things go, pretty insignificant. Um wow. but um but you know, those are the rules. Right. So, no, um, the, rest of, the rest of your life takes a really major turn on the heels, on the uh, dime, on the um, intersection of this decision, it sounds like. So when we come yeah. back to commercial, I'd like you to dig right into what your effing life has looked like. And this, this sounds like a big stay tuned. Like, a, I, I'm getting the impression that it's been a slow build over this first half to a big motherfucking stay tuned. And so I'm staying tuned and I'm hoping that the audience out there is staying tuned to this right now. Me too. Me too. Hang hang with us. Hang with us. Well done. And let's get on to the commercial. We'll be back in a minute. Noah, thanks for being here. Noah Grabowitz is our guest, Sam Morrison for Dr. Fred in uh, True Voice with Dr. Fred. Off to commercial. Thank you. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Fred again. I wanted to explain to you a little bit about one of the names I have called the Undoctor. What is the Undoctor? Well, after about 15 years in the field of me being misaligned with what I was doing, because I was medicating people even knowing that medications were not the right answer, and I was diagnosing people even though I didn't always believe that they had the diagnosis that I said that they had, even though they did meet the criteria, etc. I like seeing humans for exactly who they are and who they're not, and not as a diagnosis. So in 2006, I began the process of becoming the undoctor. I unmedicated, undiagnosed, and then undoctrinated a bunch of people. Like people no longer had to come to a psychiatrist because their conditions cleared. This isn't true for everyone. It may not be true for you, but for some folks who know that their diagnosis doesn't fit and who know that they don't want to keep going through with medications and don't want to be seen as someone who's defective or afflicted, this turned out to be a great intervention. 
Over time, I stopped doing that, and I no longer do a whole lot of conventional psychiatry. Now I just help people walk through their life and find their true voice. I connect with people straight up, not as if there's a power gradient between a doctor and a patient, but it's two humans connecting and resonating with each other. As it turns out, that's where all healing emanates from. So today, I've developed the Welcome to Humanity brand over the last six or seven years, and that really takes into consideration all of this. It is self-explanatory. Basically, each and every experience that we have with humanity is just as exquisite as another, even if it's deeply uncomfortable. From there, we get to actually share these human experiences. From there, we get to resonate and connect, and from there, healing takes place. I also have been helping people with their true voice, and that's why you're here today at True Voice with Dr. Fred. I help people find that true voice, really their authentic self, their core value system, and then deliver it effectively into a world that is eagerly awaiting to hear you. Without your voice, no one will ever hear you. And without your true voice, no one will ever know you. But with your true voice, you can find healing, peace, and love. True voice is what it takes to end all wars. So welcome to True Voice with Dr. Fred. Okay, we're back. Thanks for the commercial. Noah, so you got where you got to. And, uh, you know, you're at this point where the lie is on. And boy, this has some massive spreading effects. Can you just jump a little bit into, you know, a few years later, what's going on in your life? What, what kind of mess are you finding yourself in? Yeah, so I was uh, at that point out of a job. Um, and um, I, I could have found another job, but um, I was living with my grandmother in Queens. I'm no longer living in Manhattan and increasingly disconnected from whatever um, kind of social ties that I had. Um, when people would ask me what I was doing at that point, I would say various things, but generally I would say that I was doing some kind of computer consulting, which I wasn't doing. I was just kind of bumming around um, and starting to like shoplift um, with some degree of frequency to no particular end. Um, and not and, you had to, right? I mean, it's not like you were going. No, to I didn't have to. No, no, I wasn't um, like supporting any kind of habit. Um, it was just sort of how I was passing my time, um, like deep, living with my grandmother's lies. How deep? How deep were the lies about your life going with your friends and your family? I mean, at that point, the lies were pretty were pretty much um, my life. Um, you know, the, there was what I, I wasn't really doing anything. Um, you know, I was. Um, seeing a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, pardon me, and being prescribed medication for what condition, I'm not sure exactly, but it was mostly Klonopin and uh, Adderall um, and very high dosages of each, um, along with Lamictal um, okay. and some other things at some other times, but a lot let of me, medication. Let me interrupt if I can, just a second. Uh, do you have any sense, Noah, for whether the prescribed medications were contributing to your sort of kleptomania or whatever, whatever you might call it, 
Uh, was there, do you feel like you were being somehow influenced by those medications or do you, or is it hard to discern sort of your own innate? It, it's hard uh, to discern. I mean, I never experienced, like I never experienced a minute not being medicated. So I don't really know what the mm-hmm. counterfactual would have been like, but I, I think it's almost certainly the case that, uh, I mean, I might've been displaying some kind of aberrant behavior had I not been medicated, but I've been generally a mess. But I think it's um, almost certainly the case that I displayed this kind of aberrant behavior as a byproduct, even if it wouldn't be fair to say it caused it exactly, um, you know, but a byproduct of the medication that I was taking. I was taking like a lot of stimulants, you know, like a lot, a lot of stimulants. Um, and, um, Great question, Tim. But... Um, but I, I don't think that I was, um, you know, and I, I was uh, very dependent. I mean, just sort of the nature of the medication is such that you're very dependent. Um, but I was following my prescription as written. Um, and time went on um, and I wasn't falling too far off, although I was pretty certainly off from the trajectory that I'd been on when I was in college, which was there any part of your story at that time that was true? Was there any part that was patent that was above board? I, that I was... didn't have uh, I didn't have a really elaborate cover story, um, you know, as to what I told people I was doing. And I think that to the extent that I communicated with uh, like my parents, friends or even my family, you know, since I was living with my grandmother, there was only so much that to my immediate family, who are the people matter most to me, um, you know, there was only, you know, no one really asked, like, what are you doing, like, at a kind of deeper level than how are you passing your time? But no one was under the impression that I was, you know, it was um, that I was just kind of fumbling, finding myself, and I ostensibly had a BA. um, So at any time, I could, um, you know, change my trajectory to, for example, going to graduate school, um, which uh, which was eventually what I proposed I'd do. Although obviously since I didn't in fact have a BA, that wasn't something I could do. Um, but after spending a few years in my grandmother's basement in Queens, um, you know, I, I had uh, money that I inherited a couple hundred thousand dollars from my father's um, parents who weren't yet dead, but they'd bought some bonds when I was a baby yeah. that I was entitled to. Um, and then there was an understanding that they had saved a, a non-trivial amount of money that I would inherit when they both died. Let me, um, let me ask a question. When you, when you were, when his lying started to become a little bit more, um, more momentum, you know, more pervasive, more all-inclusive, um, you know, it's quite a strategy, right? You have to wake up in the morning and remember all the pieces, remember where the chess pieces are, remember who to tell what to and who not to tell what to and how to keep your story so that it doesn't crash. I, one of the thoughts I've had is, it, do, you, do you sometimes have feelings about the people that you were, we'll call it snookering, or the people that you were, who were falling for your story, like they should have got it, you know, or like almost resenting that they had to, that they were actually buying your lies straight up? Or, At the time, no. Did that, has that experience ever happened? More recently, yes. Say more about that. Um, I mean, since I, you know, told the truth, starting in like 2018 um, and the events that I'm describing now are taking place around um, 
2009. Um, yes, I, I've had some uh, occasional, um, you know, kind of a bitterness towards my mother, who I'm like uh, inappropriately close to. Um, so, like, it's, it's not right to say that that's been like a, an all-consuming, um, you know, sense that's overtaken all other sensibilities. Um, the bitterness but, being based on pardon me what is the bitterness with your mom based on that she didn't catch you or that yeah she, she didn't yeah. catch me yes yeah and that she didn't um she didn't intervene she didn't um protect me interesting she didn't protect you from you yeah just, i have a, a, a kind of a related curiosity uh do you have any feeling or sense like you may have wanting to been testing just how naive your mother could be just how naive. No, there's nothing like that. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Go on, go on. I want to hear more about this. It's fascinating. So, yeah. So kind of like the Rubicon that I crossed was when uh, I've been in my grandmother's basement for a few years and I made up a story that I was going to law school in Washington, D.C. Um, totally random story. Yeah, totally random. Um, and I went so far as to move to Washington, D.C. in general proximity to Georgetown, which is where I invented that I would be going. I didn't have a B.A. at this point. Um, still did not, but... Um, and I moved to Washington, D.C. And at that point, I was on my own. Um, you know, I spent my days... Uh, you know, I soon went from... Um, being prescribed medication legitimately, even if, you know, perhaps ill-advisedly, um, to writing, my mother's a psychiatrist. And so I wrote prescriptions myself using her prescription pad and would go through the trouble of being sure that I had enough physical prescriptions at any given time to continue to write the prescriptions and get them filled at the pharmacy. I mean, really, of the many wonders of this whole saga the fact that i was never caught doing that is, is unbelievable all right let's, um, stop right there. let's stop right there so you know i'm the young doctor and we're talking about our true boys and i have to tell you there was a little shift in your energy as you were telling this part like that's fucking unbelievable this this is like it went and gets unbelievable right like now you're living in georgetown lying about going to uh to uh law school you're not even living in georgetown proximity to georgetown yeah and and you 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 you're doing everything you can to get enough of the pad to actually write out your own clonopin to dr grabowitz and son grabowitz like both names are the same and you're getting this done in a controlled substance now with clonopin and adderall both being scheduled and vivance 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 okay still being scheduled two drugs yeah. And, you, you know, and you're getting this done month by month by month and not getting caught. And man, I sense there's something here. There's so much to be some like, are you guys fucking kidding me that you can't see this? Like, and in fact, you got to keep going down that dark rabbit hole because what else are you going to do? I, maybe I'm not exactly right, but can you speak to this? There's a piece here, an energetic. No, I don't think that's right. I don't think okay. Well, right tell me all. more then. Just wasn't there. I mean, you know, I, I was taking a lot of drugs, you know, like I, I doubled the amount of Vyvanse that I, I was, I was taking 140 milligrams of Vyvanse a day as opposed to 70, which is supposed to be, you know, the, the maximum, um, it's a lot of Vyvanse. Um, 
I mean, it's not unheard of. Um, it's high, but it's not unheard of. Um, and, um, you know, but I, 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 one thing I don't think I appreciated during this time was just sort of how. Did you write um, 140 for yourself or were you taking two scripts worth? I was taking two scripts worth. Um, yeah. um, so you were getting it from two different pharmacies. I would get it filled every two weeks. Exactly. Wow. Um, wow. And I couldn't go to the same pharmacy like with, you know, more right. frequently than a month. Right. Um, so um, I, um, no, there wasn't, there really was not much thought about any of my um, behavior, either like day to day or month to month or year to year during this time. Um, life was very moment to moment. I mean, the principal vocation of mine was shoplifting. How exactly I got into that, I can't entirely say because it wasn't something I needed to do. It wasn't especially were you afraid edifying. Of but if you've got you nothing about- else, if you've got nothing to do, nothing to do, and you know, given that I was, uh, you know, maintaining this total charade, which was a charade on multiple fronts. Um, you know, and therefore couldn't be caught. And that was priority number one in all things. I obviously couldn't get close to any people, you know, any of like any of the slightest relationships I had had to be uh, especially superficial because priority number one was to not be caught in the just sort of the basic fact that I was living this absurd lie, regardless of the particular contents of it. Let me um, interrupt just briefly, Noah. Do, do you feel like you had at any time any sort of intentional direction for yourself at all? Or is this just moment to moment, day by day, just kind of habits? No no direction whatsoever. Just kind of moment to moment. Okay. Right. Did you think that it was going to end up with you being in jail, prison, or dead? No. That didn't, that wasn't what, how you saw this happening? No. Wow. Keep going. Um, by the I way, this about- last line, this last line you gave us was truly beautiful. So I, sorry, it was great. It was super great. So keep going, please. Um, I went about my life. Um, you know, I was, you know, subsidizing myself, um, you know, shoplifting, frankly. And, uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, not living, um, you know, just, just living day to day. Did your family believe you were in law school? Yes. Absolutely. Everyone believed it. Yes. And that I was therefore, and that I was variously in law school and then graduate school and then working as a consultant, you know, in the kind of military industrial complex. Um, I mean, my story was very elaborate. I mean, not really elaborate if you really knew what to ask. Um, but between being like fairly elaborate, being told convincingly, it being kind of plausible in its way given, you know, my, you know, the, the truthful backdrop, um, of my experience, um, you know, sort of where I'd come from. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, all I did was maintain that, um, facade. And I mean, evidently I was good at it. You know, there was no one caught me. What does that even, what does that mean to be, you said two things now, 
that you were good at it. And number two, if you knew what to ask, obviously you could bust the story. Like these well, people- you'd be, yeah, you'd been at all suspicious. I mean, just like, who's your professor? Well, like, who's your professor for this and that? I mean, like law students have, you know, like standard classes that, I mean, it just wouldn't have been that hard. Um, did you have, a, did you, have, did you talk about grades and did you talk about? No, no. I mean, I, I had a pretty good sense of like subjects to avoid to the extent that I would talk about the supposed substance of my life such that I wasn't tempting someone to ask a follow-up question that I, like any reasonable person, they were telling the truth would know the answer to and that I obviously didn't. Um, like I, I didn't, it didn't, I wasn't seeking to lie for the sake of it. Um, and so I was pretty good at sort of saying enough and then backtracking so as to not kind of permit follow. Um, Did you know you were doing that? I guess so. I mean, not like in a, not in a hyper-conscious way. It was just, that was literally all I did. All I did was maintain this, the various fictions of my life and my muscle memory was my, my, you know, I was totally conditioned to maintain that. And so like embodying that character, as it were, that was totally natural and almost authentic. Um, What I'm hearing is you got deep enough into it. You repeated the, the extensions of the lies upon extensions of lies upon extensions of lies so far that there was no way out. You didn't know. It wasn't wasn't that it was so far, although it was pretty far, obviously, but um, I mean, yeah, there was certainly the only way out was to say like, this is all bullshit. I mean, right. It wasn't like it was possible to um, reveal one thing. Now is you know, that it? Is something that yeah, it's not. Ever... It wasn't like you know. I mean, like you can imagine someone who's married, you know, and has like you know a secret love child or something. Like revealing that deep dark secret doesn't change everything else. My situation wasn't like you know. It wasn't now, like I you... had a single deep dark secret. It was like the whole fucking thing was yeah. you know. Um, so yeah. everything, everything, every way that I had to be, everything that I said was bullshit. Everything. So do you, do you recall any moments of conscience, conscience where you were, where you thought maybe I should tell everyone and just 2018 get, get this off my back and move on? Or were you so in it? Well, there was no really notion that moving that. on was a possibility. Um, hmm. and what ha- so what the, happened the conscience in what didn't even come into play. It was it was seemingly completely impossible to escape that space. Yeah, I mean, you know, I so like I met a woman, you know, at, at some point I started like online dating, um, you know, and I couldn't really date anyone because I couldn't meet anyone beyond a very kind of cursory introduction because if they started to get into my life, like there was nothing there. They realized that my life was bullshit. So I necessarily couldn't build any relationships. I actually had a girlfriend for a number of months. I haven't actually fully retraced, like uh, gone over that relationship in my mind, but that was all bullshit. Although we got along very well. I didn't share, I, whatever that managed to happen, but it had to come to an end because, you know, how far could anything 
really go. Um, but then I started seeing this other woman and I was starting to run out of money. And that was actually the reason we, we finally met, moved in together very quickly, saved some money. Um, and then we got together and we got, uh, you know, um, and I, uh, we were engaged, um, and the things were then we were breaking up and making up every single day. Um, I, you know, owing to various, you know, dysfunctions between us and in each of us, perhaps I, I suspect that even though she didn't know that I was lying in the manner that I was, the fact that I was, I, I, I suspect kind of smelled in a way such that she was living with a kind of discomfort or, you know, that even if she couldn't put her finger on it exactly, I, I suspect um, it's um, made her kind so, of crazy in the way she was behaving. No, um, I feel bad about interrupting, but we only have about six more minutes in this episode. And so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit, give us another taste, taste uh, treat, uh, like a, a sample. What happens in 2018? What, 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 what makes you decide to even this so-called come clean? Let's talk a little bit about that. I, I really don't think it, I was, I was running pretty severely out of money. Um, and I mean, I suppose there were various ways to handle that. I could have committed suicide. I could have, you know, um, found some way to make money without betraying my seat. But I, I was ostensibly, you know, I had a job. I supposedly had a job, you know, for some time that was allowing me to support myself. I didn't claim to be making a ton of money, but I claimed to be making money. Um, and then at that particular point in my narrative, I had been like laid off like a few weeks prior. Um, and then at some point in some conversation, I, to her, I fessed it up. Um, I think the first thing that I revealed was that I hadn't gone to graduate school. Um, and then like over the course of like, I don't remember exactly how long um, the rest of it came out. And then like, I want to say um, a month or two later, maybe two months later, I told my mother. Um, and, how did that conversation go? Um, I think I wrote her a letter at first um, and it went perfectly um, in a way. I mean, you know, I don't, I, to this, I, I don't feel to this day, like she's fully kind of appreciated what exactly I've told her because I am personally so traumatized by what I did to still, it's not like, it's not like some happy ending. Like, I don't, you know, I, I can't believe what I did. You know, I mean, I, you know, I came to, in a sense, at that time, I also stopped taking medication. You know, if I was going to tell the truth, one thing I couldn't be doing was prescribing, you know, all this medication. Um, and I quit taking Vyvanse pretty much cold turkey. And, you know, and I was taking Clonopin. You can't just cold turkey that. Um, but I, uh, I actually, you know, I no longer take Clonopin. I, I um, got off about a year ago. Um, and so I no longer take any, you know, substances of any kind. Um, you know, that, that was a big change too. Um, even if I didn't have, um, 
a sensibility as an addict or an identity that was important to protect. You know, so in, our, in, in, in the final three minutes of this episode, and I think we can have you back, but in the final three minutes, what does the future look like for you? Is there, is there relief? Is there release? I have no idea, Fred. I know I you don't. I have no fucking idea. It feels pretty fucking bleak. Uh, I'm miserable. Is it because of this? Are we onto something? That's what it? I think, yeah. Yeah. And all the opportunity that was, all, all that was lost. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I do marvel at kind of the insanity and, you know, um, specialness in a way of this story. I, I do believe that, you know, I hear that other people have their own crazy stories and that's true. I, I do think that my story is pretty crazy. Um, but uh, I've even in my own way kind of moved on partly from that, but just the amount that I've squandered from being the golden boy you know, you know, amongst well, the, the upper crust let me to whatever the fuck I am now. Yeah, me, um, yeah, that's that's pretty awful. And I don't feel very optimistic about the future. Right. So the, the truth is, is you're pretty fucking golden. You didn't get to lose that despite your very best efforts. Gold doesn't become charcoal. That's not how it works. You're pretty fucking golden. I know you don't get it. I know you don't get it. I know you think I'm saying some shit, but I'm telling you, dude, you're pretty golden. Your representation of the shadow of humanity is so goddamn compelling. We all know you, Noah. Every one of us knows you. And the fact that you stick out only makes you stick out. That's all. We all know you. Sam, help me out here. No one I have a relationship. Talk to him in the last couple of minutes. Right. Damn right. I mean, everything that you shared, I've been thinking all along. Yeah, I could go there. I could I could see myself going there. You do represent something very purely honest and real that is in many respects underrepresented by our culture. And I think that's why it stands out so much. And it's nothing other than that. Thank you so and much. Who for you being are as a person is exceptional to to embody this and to and to bring your honest communication to it. Now, I want you to write a book. That's what I want. I want to see a goddamn book come out of this. That would be incredible. You're so well spoken. I would love to see a book come out of this. Unfortunately, I, I don't have much memory for any of the, the details of the whole thing. Uh, so, if you make just... it make it make it fictional, but based on a true story. Yeah, do that. All right, we are on a time crunch here. We really do stop because it's someone else's show. It's starting in three minutes. Noah, uh, I love you, and I really do appreciate you coming on and being so courageous in this conversation today. Um, Really deeply appreciate it. And all the listeners who Thank had you, an Noah. opportunity to hear you in your in your rawness, uh, they appreciate it too. I'm speaking for everyone. And um, if we need to, you just let me know. Uh, we'll get you a copy of it. If you want us to edit anything out, we will, or not even air it. We can do that later. But I think it's really precious. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on and, and just speaking the truth today. It's very beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Noah. Sam, time to say goodnight. Uh, All right, Fred. 
Yeah. Wow. I'm sure I will see you or talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. And right, uh, we're off. Thanks for another episode of True Voice with Dr. Fred. Thanks for being our tech guy. Thanks for taking care of us. Thanks for bringing on a cool guest. And thanks for the listeners who uh, endured another one hour. But man, this one was amazing. It's going to have me reeling for a while. And I, I really do love Noah because he, rep- he represents you too. He does. Yeah, don't, Noah's not that different than all you. Y'all bullshit anyways. Your lives are bullshit too. Mine is. As ours, ours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all of our lives are bullshit. And the whole slew of Noah us. Ran it deep. Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a good night. We'll catch you on the flip side. And bye for now. Hello, everybody. And I just wanted to thank you for getting through another episode of True Voice with Dr. Fred. Wasn't that great? It is so much fun to interact with people and then interact with my listenership about really finding True Voice and then bringing it forward. I really have never done anything more important than this. And I'm finally aligned with myself by helping others find their True Voice. Let's find your alignment. What do you really want in your life? 